Welcome to Five Questions About Israel. I'm Yaron Deccan and with me, Dan Brotman. Good morning, Dan. Good morning, Yaron. Hi, Dan. Hi, Yaron. How are you? I'm well, thanks. How about you? I'm doing great. I'm looking forward to our podcast together. Me too. Let's introduce ourselves. Would you start? So I'm Dan Brotman. I am the executive director of the Windsor Jewish Federation, and I'm also the youngest CEO of a Jewish Federation in all of Canada. And I'm Yaron Dekel. I'm an emissary, a shaliach for the Jewish Agency, the director for Canada, originally from Tel Aviv. And uh, before coming to Canada a year and a half ago, I was a longtime career journalist, both radio and TV. How do you feel talking to a microphone? Uh, I'm feeling pretty comfortable getting better at this. Um, many people have asked us, why did you decide to start this podcast, Five Questions About Israel? Yaron, why don't you take everyone back? Why did we decide to do this? Well, traveling uh, in uh, Canada across the country from Halifax to Victoria, uh, I met many Canadian uh, from the Jewish community and I realized that there are lots of issues uh, that are not really discussed publicly. It was before the Israeli election and the new government. It was during my travel to introduce myself and to get to know the Jewish community in Canada. And I realized that some questions and some issues are not being expressed publicly. And I thought, with you together, it's good to put things on the table. And then came the elections, which I think you agree with me, intensify the whole issue, right? I would certainly say that opinions are very divided about what's happening in Israel right now, but I think that our community has been somewhat divided for a while. Um, as I mentioned, I'm the youngest CEO of a Jewish federation in Canada, but I preside over the oldest Jewish community in the country demographically. My community in Windsor has the highest proportion of members over the age of 75. So there's a big generational difference uh, between how members of the Jewish community think about Israel, speak about Israel. And that's also part of why we wanted to do this podcast, to bring members of different generations together and talk about what Israel means to them, as well as address very difficult issues related to Israel. And it's not only a, a generation difference, it's also we're going to invite members of community from all over Canada. Our guests will be from Toronto, from Montreal, from Halifax, from, from Victoria, from Winnipeg. We'll try to hear different voices. And I think the uh, situation in Israel, and it's not a secret that uh, Israel right now on, on is on a huge controversy, and some people say Israel is in a flame situation. Uh, it will be a relevant podcast, I think, to hear people what they think about Israel right now when the Israelis themselves and I as an Israeli debating about the future. And I think it will be a very relevant podcast. That's my feeling. We also worked hard to really uh, invite guests from very different backgrounds. Uh, so you alluded to the fact that we have people from large, medium and small communities. But we also aim to have uh, people on the podcast from uh, both ends of the political spectrum and everything in between, uh, men, women, religious, secular, 
we really wanted to highlight the diversity of the Canadian Jewish community. And we should also uh, remind our listeners, Dan, that we come from two different generations. I'm uh, 59, uh, and I was born in Israel, and you are much younger. And we think I think we also have differences in our uh, views and uh, ideas, and which probably will make it more interesting. So I think this upcoming episode is going to be quite interesting because we have uh, guests from different parts of the country, uh, different religious levels, Native Canadians, immigrants. And I think it's really going to spark a conversation about how we remember Israel growing up. And in the first uh, episode, which is uh, about the uh, how does how do your uh, uh, views about Israel are different from your parents, we're going to have three guests. Kobe is the youngest, uh, 19 years old, from Toronto. Lori uh, from uh, Winnipeg and Ruben from Montreal, Windsor, Toronto. He is an immigrant. I think we will hear three different views about the question. Uh, how do you uh, uh, relate to Israel and how different it is from, from your parents? So I suggest, Dan, that we will start. Let's have a listen. Shalom, uh, Kobe Gottlieb. Hi, thank you for having me. Thank you for uh, being our first guest in our new podcast. Tell us a little bit about yourself, Kobe. Um, so I'm nearly 19. I was born and raised in Toronto. I go to school at Brandeis in Boston. So interesting. I'm actually originally from Lexington, Massachusetts, right next to Waltham. Oh, wow. Wow. Right, yes. yeah, right next door. And you also graduated from Schatt uh, High School, which is the largest Jewish high school in North America, if I'm not wrong. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Just last year. Great. And it if you if you had to identify, I guess, with a particular group within the Jewish community, how would you identify yourself? Um, probably modern Orthodox. Um, so I, like, I keep Shabbat, I keep kosher, all of that. Mm. And which generation would you identify with? Gen Z, probably. I, I think that's the correct one. I wonder if you can tell us what world events uh, do you think shape your parents' uh, Jewish identity and also the, obviously the connection to Israel? Right. Um, I would say that for my dad, definitely the Holocaust um, shaped a lot of his worldview. Obviously, he wasn't, he didn't go through the Holocaust, but my grandfather uh, did in Hungary. Um, and I think that is a real topic that uh, influences my dad's Zionist identity. Uh, also, I remember when he was in university, he had a, he created parties where the revenue would be going to save Soviet Jewry. So that th I think those two events really shaped my dad's Israel Jewish identity. And for my mom, I would say as well, the Soviet Jewry, my grandmother was quite involved with it. Um, and so that definitely had an influence on my mom. Um, and then, yeah, I think that that event also had a huge impact. As far as you know, what situation was Israel in as the country during your parents' childhood versus obviously your own? Right. Um, so just as my parents were quite young, Israel was making peace with Egypt. Um, so they came out of Six-Day War, Yom Kippur War. Israel, even though they had some failures in the Yom Kippur War, uh, especially at the beginning, it, it still came out very strong. It still showed its military power. Um, and as my parents were growing up, Israel became economically more developed. Um, and 
more diverse because you had the Russian Olim, the Ethiopian Olim. Um, and now compared to how, how I grew up, Israel is has taken its place as a 21st century nation, taking its place as a startup nation. Did your parents uh, discuss Israel at home growing up? And if so, when did they discuss it? So there's when I was younger, my dad and I used to have something called chitty chat, where he, instead of doing a traditional tuck in at bed, um, he would we, we would have long conversations about some, I would say, pretty advanced topics. So just to I don't know for sure how old I was, but just to articulate my uh, how young I was, I guess, um, he would tell me about stories about Israeli wars. And I was too young to realize that there weren't an infinite amount of Israeli wars because I would keep on asking, tell me about another one, tell me about another one. So even from a young age, Israel has been a topic of conversation in my house. Do you feel, Kobe, that your views on Israel similar or different to your parents? I think on the core issues were similar. Um, but I would say... On some of the more specifics, we, we definitely differ. Um, I'm more religious than my parents, and I think that definitely influences um, how I see some of the political topics in Israel. And you have uh, argues in, in, at home about uh, Israel? I, I, I don't know if I'd call it arguments, because that has negative connotations. That's I would true. Say, yeah, I would say productive debates, um, mm. like, especially, re- like for example, related to the judiciary. I have my positions, my parents have theirs, but which is I, I generally am pro reform, not everything related to the reform, but I'm more pro. My parents are not as pro. Um, it, obviously, there is more specifics related to it, but that's the overarching idea. And we have productive debates. I'm, we bring in uh, historical examples, how the state functioned. Um, before Aaron Barak's, like Justice Aaron Barak's judicial change uh, or constitutional overhaul in the 90s, how the state has functioned since and the changes that the Knesset has made in the 2000s um, and how and using different like d- democratic theory and political theory and how that would play in. And I would say it's productive debates, um, not necessarily arguments. Do you see many debates taking place between generations when it comes to Israel? I mean, I guess outside of your household, uh, I guess between Gen Z or millennials with their parents and grandparents, like what do you see generationally happening? So I would say the only debates I would see relate to Israel are if someone is anti-Israel and then someone and their parents are not. Those are the only debates. I don't see it too often, people debating specific Israeli policies. I don't. I don't even know how many people in my generation know that there is a judicial crisis. I guess you could call it in Israel. I don't think someone could pinpoint. Um, I don't. I would be even shocked to say if people in my generation could name three members of Knesset. How often do you go to to Israel? I think I've been around ten times. I actually came back from Israel two days ago, um, so I'm still getting over a little bit of jet lag, <laughs> but. I go quite often and it's always been part of my, it's, it's always been almost a goal of my parents to take me. I think the, was first the first time, time you went to Israel, you'd visited the country. I was six months old. So if you ask me anything about my trip, I won't be able to answer it at all. But um, yeah, so it's always, I've always gone every generally two ish years, but it obviously depends. 
And if I can ask, because you just came back from Israel, how would you compare what you saw or experienced on your most recent visit to, let's say, a visit a year or two ago? Like, are there any differences on the ground that you noticed? So, like, if, are you asking relating to how how Israel how Israeli society is? Um, right. So, I came. I last time I was in Israel, it was during COVID. Um, so the country was a very different place than what I was used to from any prior trip. Um, we had to do quarantine, the tests, all of that. Um, so I think one easy answer related from my COVID trip to previous trips where people were wearing masks, um, there wasn't huge gatherings. Um, I, the government was sort of flip-flopping a little bit while I was there, whether like on how large the gatherings were. Um, and then in this uh, last trip, Wherever I went, I was based out of Tel Aviv. I was in Tel Aviv for about six weeks and I was doing an internship there. But wherever I went, there was there were graffiti or stick, stickers that said Demokratia Omered, Democracy or Rebellion, uh, where my office was, where I was interning. That's where the main judicial protests were. So you see some of the garbage, some of the signs, a lot of stickers. Um, in my office, it was always a topic of conversation um and i felt like society was uh, was quite tense related to it it was something that you could freely ex talk about and people weren't scared to talk about it but it was especially in tel aviv it was a very contentious um a contentious issue and a very fraught issue and like i remember going into uh, a bar for example and i was just having a conversation with this random israeli about the judicial um crisis um just it's something that while i've we really appreciate it it's I, I don't know if there's been a time in the re in, in any trip that i've gone uh where there's been situations like this kobe gottlieb toronto it was great having you in our first episode thank you very much i appreciate it So Dan, what did we learn from uh, this uh, uh, conversation with uh, Kobe Gottlieb? What do you take out of it? Well, Kobe seems to be mostly in favor of the reforms they're trying to pass in Israel. And he's someone who has a longstanding relationship with Israel. His first time there was as a baby. What did you think? I think it was a bit of a surprise that he's more in favor of the reform than his parents. Um, you sometimes think that the younger generation is more liberal and more in favor of liberal system, and he expressed uh, the other way uh, around. And there might be an also another reason for that because of his um, way to that he expresses his religion. And he also said that his father had a deep connection to Israel through the Free Soviet Jewry movement, which was not a religious movement, but Kobe's relationship to Israel probably takes a more religious tone. So didn't, yeah, didn't it surprise you? Um, it didn't surprise me. Many children rebel against their parents. They become either more religious or less religious. So it doesn't really surprise me. Um, and I've met many other um young modern orthodox people who are relatively in favor of the judicial reforms so it's not the first time i've heard this but more than their parents sometimes he he is more in favor than his parents that personally it surprised me i think i was less surprised but it was also great to hear from someone who just returned from israel and could describe with his own eyes 
uh, what he saw. And it sounds like something in Israel is really brewing. He said that at his workplace, they were talking about it a lot, stickers, protests everywhere. Clearly, uh, it's an issue that's constantly being discussed in the country right now. So this is the uh, right moment to move to our uh, next guest, who is uh, Ruben Peretz, and uh, we'll go and hear from him. He's not 19 years old, we should say now. Then our next uh, guest is Ruben Peretz. Hi, Ruben. Hi, Yaron. How are you doing? We are doing great. Uh, may I ask you to introduce yourself? I just graduated from law school at the University of Windsor. Uh, beside from my legal studies, I'm also enrolled in a rabbinical study program in Israel. I'm currently pursuing an MBA at University of Laval, and I have a long story of involvement in the Jewish community. So with different uh, organizations, whether that be the Center for Israel and Jewish Affairs, Sija, Sijapak, Hillel, and other organizations. So it's a real pleasure talking to you guys today. And can you also just tell us where are you originally from? Where did you grow up? And sort of what group are you affiliated with within the Jewish community, religiously? Oh, that's a great question. Uh, it's one that I'm still uh, trying to figure out. But as far as where I come from, so I grew up in France. I uh, moved to Canada when I was uh, 12, 13. Moved to Israel for a couple of years after high school. Moved back to Montreal, then Toronto, Windsor, and now I'm back in Toronto. And as far as my religious affiliation, I would say I lean toward modern orthodoxy. However, I uh, somewhat pick and choose from different groups depending on what's most ideologically aligned with my own ideas or thoughts. And which cultural group do you belong to within the Jewish community? So mostly Sephardic. Um, my grandparents are from a bit all over the Middle East. So Morocco, Tunisia, Algeria. But we've also been French for quite some time, I think like six or seven generations. Would you be uh, able to share with us a little bit uh, from your childhood and uh, how, how it uh, came to be discussed and in what way? And also, if you, if you know, what shaped your parents' views on Jewish identities uh, regarding uh, Israel and, uh, and uh, Zionism? That's, that's a great question. And, and I think my parents' view as it relates to Israel were informed by a, a set of different facts. So my mom was quite an activist back in her days in university. So she was president of uh, her local branch of the Jewish students in France. Uh, she was very active in the Jewish community. So that's how my mother's views, I think, were informed. From my father's perspective, he comes from a more traditional family, so obviously there's that aspect to it, but there's also the religious um, the religious attachment to the land of Israel, right? So on one side of the family, you have Zionist views that are informed by more of an activist perspective, but on the other side, I also have like a very uh, deeply religious view of Israel in a, in a sense. And if you look at world events or events within Israel that might have shaped your parents' generation versus yours, what would those events be and how did they impact their views on Israel? Well, I, I, I would say that to a certain extent, my parents' worldviews on Israel were limited to a, the resources that they had access to, like newspapers, uh, news channels, etc., but also with their community, right? And those kind of go together because the community perspective on certain events is only is only existing or informed to the to the extent that you have access to this information. So what shaped your Jewish identity? 
and uh, the uh, feelings towards Israel? Well, to be fully honest, as I'm growing up, as I was growing up, I had a lot of discussion around it because my religious views on Israel were somewhat challenged by friends, family, and also people that had a different vision of Israel, right? So some of my best friends growing up were very, very Zionistic, but it was less of a religious understanding of Zionism, but more of a nationalistic perception. Are your views uh, on Israel similar or different uh, to your parents? Well, I would say they're different, and for a, a, for a bunch of different reasons. I would say the first one is that my generation has access to a lot more resources, which also enables us, to a certain extent, to also have access to the worldviews of the other side, right? So it's no longer within your community bubble where you talk about Israel from one perspective. You also have access to a perspective of Palestinian activists and folks that live in the region that are not necessarily Zionistic. So that's one of the things that informed my perception on it. So if you're asking me, for example, the power of the religious separatists in Israel, my view would be that maybe they have too much power, which is something that I, that would differ from my parents, right? For my parents, the fact that there's such a strong religious presence in Israel is a good thing, because at least for them, in my understanding, it's a natural alignment, right? Israel is a Jewish state, and therefore there is a strong Jewish religious presence, and it's a good thing. For me, in my perspective, the way I look at it is that there is the one way of living Judaism, right? There's many different ways to relate to your religious uh, to your religious beliefs. And the fact that there is like a strong religious apparatus, for me, is damaging to the state of Israel as a democratic country. When was your last visit uh, to Israel? And also, do you remember your first one? Uh, I remember my first one. I was quite young. I think I was eight, eight years old, maybe. My parents took us there for a family event. I remember it quite vividly, but the last time I was in Israel was right before COVID. So I think like five years ago already, which I can't believe it's been so long. Did you ever consider making Aliyah and living in Israel long-term? No, not necessarily. I think my my role, at least for now, is in diaspora. Maybe later on in my life, I'll be at a different place. But right now, I think personally that I'm more useful for the Jewish people in the diaspora as opposed to just being in Israel. And how often uh, does Israel come up in your uh, day-to-day life today? Uh, quite often, actually. Right? I mean, I have a lot of friends that still live in Israel, and uh, it's also very interesting to see the the news cycle through their eyes, right? Because it affects them way more. So when there was this whole uh, um, judicial system overhaul, a lot of my friends were for it and a lot of my friends were against it. And it's really interesting as a foreigner or like someone that doesn't live in Israel to see the debate through their eyes. Some members of the Jewish community say that, you know, we shouldn't be discussing internal Israeli affairs because we don't live there. What would your response to that be? So you see, I disagree with that because we're expected to support Israel wholeheartedly, just give them money and be involved in defending them, whether in and outside of our community, because it is the Jewish land, it is the represent the national representation of the Jewish people. And I think this understanding is not a one-way understanding, right? If we have this expectation that we're supposed to be involved in Israel, we also need to be given a space to comment on internal politics. Um, parents, thank you very much for uh, coming over to our uh, first episode on CJN, Five Questions uh, About Israel. It was a real pleasure talking to you. It was a real, ple- was a real pleasure for me as well.
That was a very interesting interview, and I certainly took a few things out of it. The first thing is that Ruben really highlighted that a major difference between younger and older uh, Jewish people is the, their access to media. So the fact that Ruben grew up with social media, he could easily access uh, Palestinian activists' arguments. He could hear other perspectives in a way that his parents couldn't, probably shaped how he views Israel, and he might be more critical of Israel because of it. So I think that this, the exposure to media, the exposure to social media uh, is probably a newer phenomenon that you're really only going to see with people in their, you know, 30s and younger. And younger, exactly. And also he said, which was uh, interesting, that uh, uh, he thinks that uh, he has the uh, right uh, as a Jew who lives in the diaspora to uh, criticize, not to criticize, but to be involved and to say his opinion about what's going on in Israel. And uh, to be honest, Dan, and this is a, a kind of a preview for one of our next episodes, which will touch exactly the quiz, the question, what's if the Jewish community living in the diaspora uh, has the right to comment, to criticize, to opinionate, the, uh, to, to give the opinion about what's going on in Israel, or it's a domestic internal Israeli issue and they have the Jews in the diaspora do not have the right to do so. And Ruben's argument was interesting. He says you kind of can't have it both ways. Jewish people in the diaspora are expected to always support Israel, to give Israel money. But, but then at the same time, some people say, but you don't have the right to comment on, on their internal affairs. He's saying that if we're expected to support Israel constantly, we should also be allowed to criticize and comment on internal affairs within Israel. Very interesting argument. I'm sure we'll hear more of that and more arguments against that uh, in our upcoming episodes. Absolutely. And I think that's a good timing to uh, move to our third guest in our first episode, Five Questions About Israel. And uh, we are going to talk to uh, Laurie uh, Binder in uh, Winnipeg. Laurie Binder. Hi, Laurie. Hello. You are talking to us from Winnipeg. Winnipeg, Manitoba. Can you introduce yourself? Sure. Um, I'm Laurie Binder. I'm the head of school at Gray Academy of Jewish Education in Winnipeg. I was born in Winnipeg. I grew up in Winnipeg. I'm a graduate of the school that I've been working in for over 25 years. And I'm really excited to be here to be speaking with you. And can you tell us which generation you're part of? So, well, I was born in 1973, so you can label me however you want to label me. My connection to Israel is through my father, um, and I truly believe that because of the state of Israel, I'm alive today. My father was Elav Shalom, was a Holocaust survivor. Uh, he made Aliyah with his family in the early 50s, and they settled in Kfar Saba. Uh, I still have family, you know, in Israel and, and many who are in the Kfar Saba Cemetery. But my father, you know, went through um, the Zmerinka ghetto, which was in the Ukraine. And um, his story landed him and his family in Israel. And later in the late 60s, he came to Canada. That's a, a bit of a more complex story. And he met my mother here. And um, had it not been for that route <laughs> to Israel, um, to, to survival, and, and then to here in Canada to my mother. Um, I don't think that I, I would be alive today to be able to be uh, enjoying the world. 
so so from what you're saying Laurie, it's quite clear that the holocaust probably shaped his your father's views and identity and connection to to israel and i wonder why did he decide to leave israel after making aliyah um, <laughs> Yeah, so that's an interesting question. Um, my, yeah, my father spoke many languages at home, Hebrew or, or in general. He, my father spoke many languages, Hebrew, Yiddish, Ukrainian, Russian, Polish. And it wasn't until my 20s that his story actually was revealed to me directly through him and through family. He actually came to Winnipeg with his first wife. And I didn't know he was married before. And his first wife actually came to teach Hebrew here in our community. And it wasn't something he spoke about because he didn't feel that it was important that I know. But it also adds to the color of my story that, again, the notion of Jewish day schools and its impact in the diaspora as it pertains to being strongly connected to Israel is, is very much the thread, you know, of the past, you know, 100 plus years um, in diaspora communities. You were born uh, during the same year as the Yom Kippur War. Um, what events in Israel or in the world shaped your Jewish identity and your connection to Israel? Uh, I became very involved when, when Rana Rudd was captured and being involved in the, you know, advocacy to, to try and navigate that difficult time. Um, the prisoners of war, you know, that, that piece as well, the, the Russian refugees, um, or refuseniks, I should say, the, the refuseniks. Um, but I would say there's one moment in my, I'll, I'll still say young life, when I was almost 18 and on my grade 12 Israel trip in Israel, we had just left our kibbutz where we spent, I think it was three weeks volunteering. And we came to Tveria and we got off the bus and on one side was our hotel and on the other side was a sea of Ethiopian Jews that had just arrived from Operation Solomon in the summer of 91 in the secret um, operation that happened over Shabbat. We had heard about the secret operation. We were on a Tzioni kibbutz, so somebody always had the radio on. But that afternoon when we arrived and sat in a hotel lobby with all of these Jews who had just come from Ethiopia 24 hours before we brought a guitar. We sat to sing. One of the elders took the guitar, flipped it over, and started drumming. It, it was a profound moment for me that was very direct while I was in Israel. And my time in Israel, I think, really helped solidify my identity as someone who is strongly connected to Israel. Um, you know, uh, is something that I think, you know, encapsulates what that feels like. Uh, being able to be in a profession here in a Jewish day school where Israel is part of every day. Uh, we are singing Hatikva every morning or at least five days out of the week. Uh, our flag is outside proudly beside the Canadian flag. Uh, I have a chance to speak Hebrew with students and with families who are making their home here in Winnipeg, um, whose second or third or first language is Hebrew. So if you look back at how Israel was discussed at home between you and your parents, I mean, were there any differences in how you related to Israel? Did you ever have any disagreements around the dining room table about Israel? Um, 
for me, Israel was where most of my family was that I didn't get to see. <laughs> and it was, you know, and my, my Saba and Safta passed away when I was five years old. Um, you know, I would, my, my first cousins, I have so many first cousins that I didn't get a chance to grow up with. Uh, politics were never really a topic of conversation in my home, but Israel uh, was important because it was where family is. Israel was important because it was um, a part of my my father's journey in life. Have there ever been um, situations that you've witnessed where there are uh, disagreements within the Jewish community about Israel or maybe differences between generations, the younger generations and their parents, perhaps? What have you sort of noticed from the outside? I would definitely say that over these last few decades being in Jewish education, we've learned the importance of giving students space to talk, to question, in order to know that there is not one way and one perspective. There's nothing in life in which we indoctrinate children and expect them to live that indoctrination. That is not good child development. That's not good child psychology. Just to wrap up, um, if you think about uh, young children today, how do you think they might relate to Israel in the future differently than you? It's an excellent question. Um, If I look at it through the lens of our students, I think that our students have more of an opportunity to connect with um, peers and friends who have come from Israel. So, you know, whereas when I was in school, there might have been one or two students who were in the whole school that, you know, came from Israel or their children of, uh, of, of Shlichim. But our students, um, and yes, we had Shlichim we learned from, but our students, almost every single class, and, uh, you know, I do this when I bring um, visitors around the school, you know, how many of you were born in another country? How many of you were born in Israel? You'll see many hands go up. So I think our students' connection starts with people. And that's one of the most important lessons that I've learned throughout the Partnership Together program is the strongest connection that we can make for our students is through people. It's not through the posters on the wall. It's not through the curriculum. Uh, certainly it's through create, you know, creating strong skills in Hebrew language, but connecting people to people is one of the most important ways to ensure that we have a strong diaspora Israel connection. Laurie Winder, head of uh, Gray Academy uh, School, Winnipeg. Thank you for uh, taking the time to share your views and your story. It, it was a pleasure. Thank you. Yeah, it was fun. It's clear to me uh, that uh, uh, Laurie is uh, connected to people in Israel. It's not a, um, the discussion at home was not a political issue at all. Uh, on, probably unlike today, which becomes, uh, as we discussed, very political because of the situation, but more connected to people. And she does have many, many uh, um, friends and acquaintances in, in Israel. It was quite clear that uh, she's very much involved. She travels a lot to, to Israel and, very, very, and she feels very connected. What did you take from the uh, discussion with Lori? Well, it was interesting. Kobe and Ruben didn't really mention having very close people in Israel. They have a relationship with Israel. They visit Israel, but it's not necessarily where their family lives. 
So that was one difference between Lori and them. Um, and I also think a difference she highlighted is that many Israelis are permanently moving to Canada today in a way that they didn't when she was growing up. So when she was growing up, there weren't Israeli kids in the class, really. And now there's quite a large percentage of Israeli kids in the class. And that's in Winnipeg. So you can imagine how much larger that would be in a place like the GTA. Yeah. And this is a huge difference. I think it's also connected to the uh, changes in the world and uh, the fact that Israel has changed, Canada has changed, borders are uh, became more open, technology, information, uh, which also we discussed with the with Kobe at the uh, the beginning of the episode and that it's 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 quite clear that it, in in Lori's uh, uh, time it was a total different uh, situation than now. That was a very interesting first episode. We heard from three members of the Jewish community who belong to three different generations. Lori is Gen X, Ruben is a millennial, and Kobe is Gen Z. And you heard that the uh, views uh, regarding to Israel is very, very different. Um, Lori is, uh, is more, uh, I think, more emotional, less political. And uh, Ruben and Kobe relates to the uh, political issue, including the, what's going on right now in Israel. And that was a difference between the three uh, three guests we had in the first episode. What is gonna be, what's going to happen next in our podcast about five questions about Israel? So we're going to be asking some other challenging questions in our upcoming episodes. Those questions are, when, if ever, should Canadian communal organizations voice public criticism of Israel? Then how do we balance our domestic philanthropic needs with the needs of Israeli organizations? What are Israel's obligations towards diaspora communities? And are your views on Israel represented by our mainstream communal organizations? We would like to hear your comments uh, about this episode. And also, if you'd like to take part and be uh, a guest of our next few episodes, please write us to an email. And the email address for your comments, or if you want to volunteer to join and share your views, is israelquestions at the cjn.ca. Until next time. Thank you. Bye.